Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour, SB Nation's one and only NFL podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Oh, you know, all things considered, I'm doing all right. I, I think I'm slowly melting. Everything except, like, pounds, but melting in <laughs> every other way I can imaginably think of. It's really hot. I'm sure you're in Florida, so I'm sure it's... Yeah. I'm preaching to the choir here, but... Yeah, it's, it's like trying to breathe soup when you go outside here because it's not just hot, it's just always so humid. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, like, it rains here almost every afternoon. So it's Ooh. been hot all day, then it rains, and it stops, and the sun comes back out. And you're basically walking around in a sauna, you know, basically in a sauna. So, yeah, it's uh, kind of hard to to keep from, from melting here. I can promise you that much. You just, we just, it's hot all over right now. It's brutal. So, I just, you like, everybody should have a cold tub they could jump into. <laughs> I, yeah, and, that would be great. And I don't know if it's going to break anytime soon, and that's unfortunate because a lot of uh, teams are starting camp next week. Yeah, uh yeah, I, you know, it, it kind of snuck up on me this year. <laughs> Training camp did. I, I started seeing people tweet about rookies reporting and stuff like that. I'm like, my goodness, I guess it is about time for <laughs> for training camp to start. And then it goes, you know, in my mind, I start back thinking to, man, how did I practice in this damn heat for all those years? It's amazing. So, yeah, I, like, seriously, it, it really is amazing looking back on it. Like, how did I do that? I, Seriously, I, I couldn't even imagine doing it right now. I saw the local, I was driving by the high school the other day and I saw the football players, you know, going in to get their equipment and stuff because they can start, I think the rules here, they can start practicing like next week or the week after or something like that. So they're getting them all ready. I just thought, man, I feel bad for you kids. You know, listen, and, and of course I'm older now and everything, which is fine, but I've been living in Florida you know, pretty much almost non-stop since 1996. And I got to tell you, some days, whether or not I go to the grocery store or when I go, it is, it is totally dependent upon the time of day. Like, I'm not stepping out the house in the middle of the day here. I'm not. <laughs> right? But I used to be practicing in this madness. Like, I, I, can't, you know, I can't imagine putting on clothes just to go to Winn-Dixie to get some eggs. But I used to have on you know, pads and helmets and, and, and all this other mess. It, it is really amazing. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure for those guys in the moment, just like I was, they don't really think of it that way either. But just in hindsight, it's like, man, you, you can walk around out here for too long and faint. Yeah. And you got guys out here running, running all over the field and, you know, supposed to, to, to somehow – uh, perform at a high level, so you know my hats off to him. I know. I, I just I can't even fathom it at this point in my life. I, I really guess can't. I guess that's why some teams like I remember the Chiefs used to go to Wisconsin in the summer for camp, and like you know the Saints go to West Virginia for their training camp. I guess I wonder if I guess that's part of the thinking behind that. Well, yeah, you know some teams do that, but like the Florida team usually never do it. Yeah, right. Which is kind of amazing. Uh, I'm not sure any of the like the Texas teams do it either, but and those are where it's really hot. Yeah, <laughs> like the hot part. So that's kind of the thing that they used to to be puzzling to me. It kind of still is. Is like some of these teams that do that aren't really places where you normally associate 
like <laughs> a piston heat. You know what I mean? Like Kansas City, like. I don't know. I, I'm not a meteorologist or anything, but I never thought of Kansas City as some you know, really hot place like yeah. Arizona, like that. So, but look, you know, if it works, more power to them. I, in hindsight, like once again, in hindsight, we—if I was playing for the Bucks right now, I'd be begging to go to West Virginia. <laughs> I, listen, I, I, look, they, and they talking all this stuff about switching up practice and they're gonna move it earlier, and that's fine, but. What do you do when you wake up and it's like 85, 90 degrees at 9 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> humidity. Good old training. Yeah. I guess that's why we get – there's always the, that, that first week or two of training camp. There's all the – you always see – you read about the fights on Twitter. It's just buzzing with fights. Look, it, we were too tired to fight here. Like, <laughs> a whole lot of, the only time we really fought in, in, in training camp was when we would go – We'll go down to Miami uh-huh. and practice with them uh, against them, and then there'll be some fights there. But we just a lot of times they were just trying to end practice. Hang on, even lie to you. Like we was like, man, look, this is too much. Who gonna fight today? You know, seriously. Like, you know, and it'd be some, you know, maybe some extracurriculars going on that needed to be addressed. But a lot of times it was like, hey, man, listen. <laughs> We got to do something. This practice is going a little bit too long. So, uh, but yeah, was, and, and of course, we're coming from the heat here, but the heat here, as hot as it is here, it's even hotter in Miami. So, Jeez. I mean, it's just like, man, of course, the heat does make your tempers flare a little bit, but, you know, just normal day to day, man, that, that's more energy you're expending trying to punch somebody. Yeah. So, a lot of times it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm really mad at you, but I'm just going to line up and play again because it's too hot out here for that. We'll talk about it later in the locker room where in the air conditioning, but right now, I don't really have the energy for all that. You're doing too much. Yeah. So it, it just it just all depends. Uh, but, man, you know, looking back, it, it was, I mean, I always tell this story. We did have a guy literally quit on the field uh, during oh, during camp one year. We We signed him from somewhere else. He was a a linebacker. Uh-huh. And so at the beginning of practice, we do what's called a pursuit drill. Yeah. And basically, it's this deal where, you know, you're supposed to line up like you would for any play, on, like when you're on defense, and then take off sprinting for like 40 yards to the end zone. But but the, the, the trick here is, number one, the first team defense hardly ever gets sent back, right? They, yeah. they almost always... I don't care if, if they have somebody loafing. Normally, they don't have anybody loafing anyway. But even if they did, you know, coaches are usually a little bit more lenient with the starters. But when you start getting to, like, the second and third team guys, they use those guys to kind of send a message. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll bust your ass for 40 yards in 95-degree heat, and then all of a sudden you see the coach say, no, not good enough, and he got to do it again. <laughs> Like back to back, right? For the forty yards sprint, back to back in pass at the beginning of practice. Basically, you haven't even really aren't even really stretched out good or anything, and you running forty yards sprints back to back, and you know trying to break your neck just so you're not the guy that they call out. You know, ninety four, not good enough, and you got to do it over again. But well, he wasn't on the first team, so oh. <laughs> had to go back several times, and <clears throat> now he stopped. Evidently, because maybe he had a pulled hamstring or whatever. But I ain't never heard of somebody retiring over a pulled hamstring. He literally like was like, you know what? Yeah, I had enough. You know, I'm good on this. 
not the practice. Like he he had, he had to be pulled out of the drill after they had went back several times for you know a sore hamstring, and he was like he turned in his papers. Look, <laughs> you know I got through this. I'm good on that. So that, that just goes to tell you it, it, just how hot it can be down here. Because obviously you know he's turning down a whole lot of money, but he's like shit. And no, nope, I'm good. But uh, yeah, I mean I I can't even. I can't even imagine doing it these days. I really can't. I just, <laughs> I'm looking out my window right now and it is so sunny. It just looks hot. It looks like you can just fry egg, you know? I can't imagine going out there and running, doing pursuit drill. And, no. You, you uh-uh. don't miss it on days like this, huh? And it's a lot of days like well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to catch up on the weather. We'll have to swap weather notes again in December because I think we'll have uh, some two dramatically different pictures at that point. Oh, man, listen, <laughs> Look, and that used to be a great part of playing home games in December because, like, I can remember vividly. Uh, for instance, the Chicago Bears came down one year and every dude on their team pretty much shut it down because it was so hot. Like. They're coming from Chicago now in December, uh-huh. and it's like 90 degrees here. <laughs> and then, like, by the end of the game, was, the only guy who was still playing really, really, really hard was Alonzo Spellman. But that's a whole other <laughs> Like, that dude only had one speed ever. And he was crazy. <laughs> like, he, they were getting smoked, and he was still out there just wrecking shop and, and talking noise to everybody. But everybody else? Everybody else is making vacation plans. I promise you. Those guys like, man, man, listen. I couldn't even blame them. Look, ninety degrees in December. Are you crazy? Are you coming from Chicago? You can't. Just the same way as we used to have problems going to cold weather places uh-huh. in December. You cannot. There's no way to like, you know, prepare for that kind of heat if you're coming from Chicago in December. You just there's no way it's going to be a shock to your system. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I, two below up in Green Bay was damn sure a shock to my system. So, in December. <laughs> so that's the yeah, that's two. That's two, that's the other extreme. And I, I like I I'm not a big fan of that. Temper, those kind of temperatures either. Like I, if you had to ask me which one I hated more, I might honestly have to. Uh, it might be the cold weather like that. Yeah, you know what? See, here's the thing. Like, normally I hate cold weather more because I always say you can always put on more clothes. There's yeah. So much. But I got to say, when it's football, that cold makes everything hurt way worse. I can see like, that. Like, every little, you don't want to touch nobody, but you got to go out here and try to hit people. Yeah. So a little bit more of a toss-up when you're talking about actually playing the game, <laughs> walking around. I'm I'm a little bit more partial to cold weather walking around because I'm like you can always put on more clothes. It's on so much you can take off without getting arrested <laughs> when it's too hot. So yeah, man, more power to all these guys going to camp because they're going to need it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I'm kind of looking forward to camp. I mean, I know it's everybody like from a fan perspective starts to get a little bored with it after a couple weeks, but it's always you know to come from the a slow summer and suddenly have a little bit of football football practice at any rate it's kind of a it's it's sort of refreshing from a fan perspective yeah and you know you're not getting the ota reports where guys don't really touch each other much or anything like that you know you're actually getting 
some some actual football yeah. type of who's running well, who's you know knocking the snot out of people and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it's a little bit more for me. It's a little bit more appealing because I think it's more realistic all the reports you get from around the league when training camp actually rolls around. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, um, well, I won't be happening this year, but going to watch Rams camp, (laughs) it was always interesting to go watch camp. I mean, it was always more like, I mean, it wasn't anything like watching a game, but, you know, you could see guys. I mean, you know, you could tell guys were really like, hey, I want to stick on this roster, so I'm going to go out here and play my ass off. And you could tell that even in just sort of like the drills and stuff like that that you'd watch, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've been to practices here in Tampa since I've been retired and stuff, and there's always a bunch of stuff that you can see out there. Uh, not necessarily all all fans, because you know some people out there just yeah. for the enjoyment. Uh, but if you really know what you're looking at and really pay attention, you can really see some things that maybe don't, you know, you weren't expecting or, yeah. or don't necessarily come out in different reports and stuff. So yeah. I, I used to enjoy uh, going out to training camp, man, not only for the atmosphere, but just actually seeing guys who supposedly are doing good or who supposedly are doing bad yeah. for myself and kind of make my own determination on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I might have to go to chief's camp this year, despite the bullet and do it just to go, just to go see. Yeah. <laughs> just to get a taste <laughs> it's my i'm running out of options hey man look this football thing can be a little little bit like crack not quite you ain't gonna go out there and steal no vcrs or nothing but you, know, you get so wound up into it and you just have to have some you know just give me a little bit just give me a little bit of practice <laughs> so i feel you I might have to see. I, it's stealing VCRs, man. That's a <laughs> <laughs> that's a throwback. <laughs> um, so it hasn't really been like since we last talked. It's been kind of a busy week in the NFL. Not like training camp busy, but a lot of stuffs happened. We obviously had the franchise tags pretty much like we predicted, right? At what about three between three and four o'clock on Friday afternoon? Yep. And then well, um, you had the one surprise, the uh, the Mo Wilkinson one. I think yeah, not surprise. So and and I want to talk a little bit about that, but I guess the thing that that really did it's not necessarily as big a news as those things, but it's pretty surprising nonetheless. Was you had Eugene Monroe announce his retirement today? Yeah, yeah, and, and look, um, he's had an interesting few months anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure what prompted him to start being such a vocal advocate of medical marijuana. Uh, I, I'm pretty much I'm on his side on the issue. Uh, but you got to believe that, number one, him being such a vocal a- advocate may have played at least some role in the Ravens moving on from him in the first place. Yeah. And number two, it might have played a role in other teams not being willing to bring him in. And so um, while it's true he retired today, you do kind of wonder if maybe it wasn't just like, I know he spoke to the uh, injury aspect of it and being worried about CTE. And look, if I was still playing, that would definitely be at the forefront of my mind because just the knowledge and the information out there is so much more advanced than what we had. When I was playing, we still were under the, the impression that you could go back in the game with a concussion. Oh, yeah. Everything would be fine. Uh, so, you know, 
those are totally understandable issues. But at the same time, you know, you got to wonder this guy, you know, I think the Ravens like traded for him from Jacksonville, then gave him a big deal just a few years ago. Yeah. Just a couple of years ago. And so it, you got to wonder if a team was willing to, you know, kind of give him starting left tackle money, um, like maybe not at the top of the heat, but maybe, you know, maybe top 20 type money. Yeah. If he wouldn't have went ahead and, and played a few more years. But uh, again, maybe the medical marijuana issue scares some teams off. Yeah. Uh, I do think that he's a guy that probably has a few more good years in him. Uh, he didn't necessarily play great for the Ravens, uh, but he had some, some injury issues there, and I thought he was at least decent when he was healthy. Yeah. And everybody needs left tackles. Yeah. Uh, not quite to the level of how everybody needs quarterbacks, but if you don't have a left tackle, <laughs> you, you're going to have some major issues on your offensive line. Yeah. Uh, as well as you well know as a Rams fan. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, shit, me too, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm not in that same boat, but I'm just saying, like, if you follow football, you know how important yeah, that oh, yeah. is. Um, but nobody seemed to be kind of throwing him a lifeline after after the Ravens moved on. So um, I totally understand and respect where he's coming from with the injuries. Um, you know, football was kind of, I wouldn't say taken away from me, but I still wanted to play in the NFL. Who was like, nah, we're good on this. So yeah. my situation was different. I, I didn't have an opportunity to walk away. I was still trying to get back in the door. Yeah. But it, it, if if I was playing in this day and age of football, like I said, with the, the kind of information that's out there now about CTE and everything else, uh, in fact, I would probably have to, you know, kind of reevaluate things too. Yeah. When it comes you know, concussions and injuries and stuff of that nature. So I read his, he's got uh, an article on the Players' Tribune. The one uh, today with his, where he announced his retirement? Right. Uh, talking about the injuries and stuff. Yeah. And, and I bet you most, most NFL players, right at the beginning, he talks about bull in the ring. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about every player, even guys who didn't necessarily make it to the NFL, guys who, maybe just only made it through high school, probably has a story about bull in the ring, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of interesting just thinking about that and going back in your mind because I can just hear bull in the ring and I start having memories of bull in the ring, not necessarily always pleasant ones. Yeah. <laughs> because you're in the middle of all your teammates and they're coming to try to knock your block off and you're trying to knock their block off full speed. Yeah. Rapid fire. And so it really is, you know, I wonder, like, how many concussions were probably handed out or, or guys got from just that one thing that seemed to be all across the nation, football teams did it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, so, I can remember doing that in seventh grade football. Right. I mean, right. seventh like, grade. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, I don't know a football player who's never heard of Bullet Ring. Yeah. Even if they didn't play. Uh, I actually... <laughs> another story for another day. Like <laughs> one of our coaches in college was talking about bull in the ring one day and how a coach got in the ring with his players. Oh Jesus. Um, and then we went to practice 
And we thought for a minute that he was going to do it too, but actually he was going to make us do up down. So uh, <laughs> we went from being a little excited to a little disappointed. Real <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> but just you know, just thinking back on it, like how much of a concussion risk was that? Like seriously, oh, yeah. there was there was nothing really beneficial out of bull in the ring. No, it was just. And it's not like a drill uh, where you, you know, you've got to get your form and you know what I mean. Your head in the right spot and your your tackling form's all right, but you know you're just going at it. It's just kind of a let's see who's tough and who isn't. Yeah, type deal. And you know that, that I don't know if they still do it. I would imagine not in this day and age. But man, I, you know, it just kind of when I read that, it just kind of resonated with me like yeah he's got a a a real good point here so um you know uh more power to him the good thing about it is he can always change his mind yeah right guys i don't know that he's going to turn his papers in which is what makes it official yeah but even then you can can, uh, retire you know just hey brett Favre. you know (laughs) (laughs) if 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 at some point (laughs) an opportunity arises or he changes his mind He's still young enough and in still still good enough shape, I would think, to be able to to come back to the league. And he's played well enough over the years where I think maybe somebody will at least give him a shot at the league minimum. But yeah. I just, you know, I, when those first few uh, retirements happened, and, like and, the and the guys one. who retired, right, when they were saying it's because of concussions, I wasn't really sure that it would be any kind of tipping point. Um, but now I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, I am wondering. Like I say, you do wonder if if Eugene Monroe was offered big money, like he was a couple of years ago, if he'd have still walked away, or even just a decent one year contract. You know, uh, if he if he'd have walked away, and maybe some of that has to do with with again the the, the marijuana, the medical marijuana issue, but. He didn't. He wasn't offered that contract. And so, you know, it's just it's not normal for a 29 year old left tackle who still could be a very good player for a team, still can make a lot of good money, especially if he like, you know, even if he signed a like a a minimal deal this year and bounced back and and showed that he was every bit as good as he was when, when the Ravens paid him and he stayed healthy, you know. He could have broken the bank again. Yeah, he's young enough to, to still play for 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 several more years at least. So yeah, uh, it's just interesting that these guys under thirty years old are willingly walking away from the game, and quite a few of them are pointing to the concussion issue. Yeah, no, and I'm you know like I say, I mean I don't know that it's it's the kind of thing where you'll see massive retirements but you know it's definitely it's definitely going to be a factor from now on out i mean the information's out there and now you know players have the inf- more information than they've ever had in the past to make those kind of informed decisions and i think that that's you're going to keep seeing that you know yep and then you know it's kind of ironic that, that it would happen on the same week when when Roger Goodell kind of retired yeah yeah Uh, i guess it was yesterday yeah it was yesterday Uh, it was when they sent the memo out to the teams that they were doing that so and it's interesting you mentioned the you know you used to 
not even, I mean, you know, to me and you, the mid-90s isn't all that long ago. And that's when, you know, you, there was still the mentality that you could go out, you know, you could play with a concussion. You could get your bell rung and get back out in the game. And, you know, that's funny because I was looking back through when that, the news yesterday came that Elliot Pellman had been, you know, (laughs) had been retired by the NFL finally. Why it took so long, I don't know. And why they had this quack as their chief medical officer as long as they did is sort of stupefying in and of itself. But, you know, here is a, a, in one of the, I think one of the OTL reports about him from a couple years ago, you know, from the concussion documentary reporting, you know, here's this paper that he co-authored and they're saying that like, you know, where it's actually, they're claiming it's actually beneficial for a player to go back in the game with a concussion. Listen, it's just, look, it's insanity. I, you know, I played with the Jets for a year. Yeah. So he was my team doctor for a year. Obviously, oh, this was way before all this stuff came out. So I had no idea. I thought he was a decent enough guy. Um, but, you know, I, it just was weird in hindsight knowing, first of all, this guy had nothing to do. Like, he didn't study anything about the brain to be, become a doctor. Nice, a then somehow he gets put in, as the head of, of this whole um, head injury uh, stuff. And, and 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 then you really look into his background and, like, he went to school in, like, Mexico or something. Yeah, Guadalajara. You know, like, really, like, sort of shady situations. Like, this isn't, like, some dude that's from Harvard or, yeah. or what have you or, or Johns Hopkins. This is some dude that kind of went <laughs> across the border to get his his medical license, basically. So, yeah. Um, but again, and this is a dude that had all of our, not just our careers, but our livelihoods, our lives Your in trust. his hands. And he chose to falsify information and, you know, go with shit like that. Like, yeah, no, go back in with a concussion. It's actually going to help you. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, is like, he was supposed to be removed from the process some years ago. And then we found out with this whole situation where, you know, the funding fight yeah. between like the NFL and I can't remember. National Institutes of Health. Right. The National Institutes of Health to do the CTE study. Somehow he's all of a sudden in the mix again. Yeah. And, and, and once again, he's, he's not, he's being unhelpful. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it'd be different. If, it'd be a different story. If this guy made a mistake. Yeah. There's nothing about Elliot Pellman's story that could be classified that way. Like, he was a willing stooge for the NFL for all of these years, and he continued to be. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's just kind of amazing that they even allowed him to stick around for this long. And you just wonder how many lives were affected by his bullshit. Like, yeah. how, how many guys got got worse or, or end up in a worse situation because of information and advice he was giving that he knew was absolutely wrong. Yeah. Or at least had to know what was, was, was absolutely wrong. And yeah. so it, you almost wonder like, why isn't he ever going to be held personally liable and accountable for some of this shit too? Like the, the NFL 
settlement and all that, the, the billion-dollar settlement with the X players, that's one thing. But when you got an individual like Elliot Pellman who seems to always be at the center of these controversies, you just wonder how he even gets to retire. Like, why did why wasn't he fired? Yeah. Why 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 are you letting him retire? And, and what kind of retirement benefits is he even going to get? Uh, you know, is he going to get a golden parachute? Is he going to get any kind of benefits? All on the back of lying to ex players and getting us more fucked up than we needed to be. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. You know, the memo and the behind the scenes reporting was that well, this is part of you know Goodell wants to you know establish trust you know with the players and fans and you know repair the league's image and credibility and stuff like that it's like well all the shit that they've done some of it you know just kind of window dressing and some of it you know sincerely trying to make the game safer for all the shit they've done since that 2009 congressional hearing when they just got embarrassed in front of Congress called, you know, the tobacco compared to the tobacco industry over this whole thing. Why in the shit did they have this guy as the league's chief medical officer that whole time? It's just, it's incredible. And then you look and there's still like, all right, so the VP for health and safety now, Jeff Miller was the one that went to Congress this year in the spring and said, yeah, there's definitely a connection here, you know, with CTE and and head injuries in football. And and so it's because it's a little bit more accepted, but there's still these pockets of it. You like you look at that Steelers neurologist who's a consultant for the team. He's a he's at he teaches at the school in Pittsburgh, at the College of Pittsburgh, and is a consultant for the team. But he's also the one that was on NFL Network, I think, this spring or last fall, saying, "Well, skateboard riding your kids, letting your kids ride a skateboard is more dangerous than letting them play football." And like I understand that you know skateboarding or other sports like that have soccer or swimming or whatever have health risks associated with them. But here's a team physician person out there downplaying that danger and that safety. And then it come to find out what a few months later, this guy's also hawking concussion tests to sports teams. (laughs) So it's just, it's like, you've got to clean the Pelman to me, the Pelman thing is a good move in the right direction as overdue as it is, but you got to clean house, man. I mean, you really got to. And I know the players' union. This is an issue for them too, for lots of other reasons besides concussion. But you got to, you know, you got to clean house with these team physicians that don't have the trust of the players. And you got too many players going to other teams for ankle injuries and knee injuries because they don't trust their team doctors. Right, and with good reason. That's the, that's the, what the most fucked up part is. It's with good reason. It's not like these guys are paranoid. Even though maybe back in the day, that w- that's what you would be sold. Like, if, if a guy wouldn't got a second opinion back in the day, people would make it seem like, oh, why doesn't he trust his team doctor? Well, yeah. shit, it turns out he had plenty of reason not to. Yeah. Because, and again, so much of this is about who pays these people's salary. Yeah. Of course they're going to do what a coach tells them to do because they want to keep their job. From the team doctor to the trainer, all of them. And it's just... It, 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 it's a situation that almost forces them to be uh, uh, subservient to the head coach. Yeah. Regardless, because that guy determines whether you continue to work there or not. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, um, but but even the thing that, that pissed me off most about uh, whoever was framing it as. Uh, Roger Goodell doing this retiring uh, Pellman mm-hmm. to try to garner some kind of 
trust yeah. between the players union. Well, what pissed me off about that is he was already supposed to be gone. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to be a part of any of this shit. Yeah. The whole reason why we found out that he was is because of the investigation to how the money ended up, you know, the, the, the money that the NFL pledged to help with this CTE study yeah. ended up getting cut off. If it wasn't for a fucking congressional investigation, we wouldn't even know that Elliot Pellman was still involved in the fucking process. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're a little bit late on that whole uh, trust thing there, yeah. Rob Goodell, again. Yeah. Again. So it, it's just amazing to me, like, how? No. And again, why aren't you fucking firing him? Yeah. If you were, if you, if you were really trying to build trust, then what you would come out and say is, look, I thought we had sidelined this guy. I didn't know he was still a, even a part of this process, even a little bit. And so we're going to fire him to make sure he's not a part of the process at all. Yeah. But instead, you, basically, this is giving him an honorable way out. You're letting yeah. him retire. Yeah. Fuck, fuck your trust, <laughs> your moves to try to build trust. It's, because this is bullshit. Nobody, literally everybody, I know I did, thought that Elian Pellman had been taken off the chessboard when it comes to CTA and anything having to do with brain trauma after how embarrassed he was, like you said, like the, the OTL investigations and stuff yeah. showing that he didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah. But you're still in some way, shape or fashion in this process and you're being unhelpful. Yeah. It, it, it's not like you're in, in this process and you're doing something to actually advance the issue. Yeah. You're still finding ways to, well, yeah, let's, let's not cooperate with these people or let's not do this. It, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. As yeah. an ex-player, it's just like, it's like, there you go again. It, it, it really is like, there you go again. Yeah. You got caught in the cookie jar and now you're trying to clean up. Yeah. Now you're trying to clean it up. But don't 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 piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't tell me you're doing this to build trust. You're doing this because you got fucking caught again, and you almost had to do something. Yeah, exactly. Too little, too late. And that's sort of I you know I see MMQBs doing that Goodell week this week. But you know I think you could sum up Goodell a lot of ways. But too little, too late comes to mind a lot for me whenever it's you know fun. we talk about him. It's never something he does proactively. It's always a reaction. Yeah. Always a reaction. And it's usually only a reaction once you're forced, once he's forced to admit that something was fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just like the Ray Rice stuff. The NFL didn't do a damn thing about domestic violence until they fucked up the Ray Rice thing. So they were forced to. Yeah. So, It's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh it's big business, you know? It's the same thing you see in in any big business, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar business. So, it's, it's a CYA world. All right, I here's here's a thing I wanted to talk about today cuz I thought this was kind of interesting. The Dolphins, who already had two what I would have considered decent running backs. I mean, definitely two guys, JJ and then um oh, Kenyon Barnes, I think is his name, their third round pick this year who I thought, you know, were decent enough that they deserved oh, a shot. Drake. Drake from Alabama. You yeah, know yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, good enough players that, you know, you you definitely wanted to see what they had in camp, and you still will, but uh, they signed Arian Foster, which I was a little surprised by. 
Yeah, I was a little surprised too because, as it turns out, uh, once again, I'm writing the breakout players uh, columns this year, and <laughs> one of the guys who I had picked was Damian Williams. I, I thought that he was kind of floating under the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's uh, uh, like going into his third year. Has been a backup for a couple years, kickoff returner too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I figured in an open competition, he had a legitimate shot to at least be a backup while, you know, Kenyon Drake has is, is kind of had some injury issues at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, might just be kind of a niche player initially, at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this guy, Damian Williams, seemed to be a decent all around back, had a little bit of a fumbling problem, but, you know, could do pretty much everything he wanted to do, had decent hands. Could be a third down back, perhaps. Yeah. And now, it's like, you know, the thing about Arian Foster is, to me, he's at his best when he's getting a whole bunch of touches. Yeah. At the same time, because of his injury history, he's probably not going to be able to get that many touches anymore, you know, at this point in his career. Yeah. So how effective can he be? In, in, in kind of a, a, a spot duty role. I'm not sure about that. I know that he's very good out of the backfield, but I don't think they signed him just to be a third down back type. So it'll be kind of interesting to see because Jay Ajaye, um, I thought they were very high on and excited yeah. about. And, and here's a guy who you kind of thought was going to end up being a bell cow because he's you know, big and strong, runs with a lot of power, um, but also has uh, uh, some 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 decent uh, uh, ability to to make you miss, um, and and, and kind of thought that he would have been a factor last year had he not had some injuries that held him back. And so I think most people felt like he was going to really really burst out this year um, in his second year if if as long as he stayed healthy. And now that you have a, a guy again like like Arian Foster who just in the past, at least, has garnered so much of the uh, the offense in Houston. Mm-hmm. You just wonder how they're going to coexist because because I don't know. You know, it, it just I wonder if how much of a role Aaron Foster is going to have. Yeah, because um, if if Ajay is as good as people think he's going to be, he really should be the the, the lead dog in the bell cow. And, and and if uh, Arian Foster has any kind of problems adjusting to that backup role, uh, I, you know, you just wonder if there's going to be some tension there because he's been he's been the man for so long in Houston. Yeah, well, and I wonder too. I mean, you know, he's he's going to turn thirty before the season starts, which is sort of that a magic number, kind of not in the ma- not in a magical kind of way for running backs. And he's also, you know, he's coming off a pretty big knee injury. And that's, it's tough to, you know, that's not the easiest thing in the world. That's a position where, you know, you can't bluff your way through a knee injury like that, you know, or the recovery from that. And I know that science is a lot, and the medicine's a lot better on that front than it used to be. But it's still enough to make you wonder, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's not like this is the first major injury didn't he have like a Achilles too uh, a few years back and and so you're getting older and really when you talk about 30 and older running backs falling off the cliff normally it isn't about um, their ability Uh, 
as far as when they're healthy, when they're healthy, they still usually perform pretty well. Yeah. Um, it, it's that they get hurt so much. They get nicked up so much. And so they're never actually healthy anymore. And then they kind of struggle through trying to play through injuries instead of, you know, when they, when they were younger, they were healthy for 14, 15, 16 games. Yeah, exactly. So here's a guy that's coming off, you know, basically two major injuries and he's on the wrong, about to be on the wrong side of 30. It does make you wonder just, like I said, just how effective he's going to be this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess you can still use, I mean, you know, if he has something left, you can, you know, he's a obviously an asset in your passing game, but you know, that's a, that's a, not a lot of snaps to distribute, but this is also the Dolphins, so I, I don't ever really get a sense that there's a, a very clear and coherent plan with that team. Well, you know, they got a new staff. And yeah. And Adam Gates, and he's an offensive guy. Yeah. So, uh, like, one of my selling points for Damian Williams, for instance, was, you know, you look at, 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 Gates in Denver and in Chicago, and he liked to use more than one back, right? He didn't, yeah, he, he did. He didn't generally just go with one guy. Uh, and so I thought that would give Damian Williams some uh, plenty of opportunities. In the same mode, you, you would have to think that he's going to try to split these carries um, between Ajayi and Foster some kind of way. Yeah. I just, again, uh, Foster is used to being the guy, like, yeah. you know, carrying – you know, uh, 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 just a huge amount of the offense. And so I just, I'm not sure how, how he's going to adjust to that backup splitting, splitting, uh, time roll. Uh, you know, Matt Forsett didn't ever, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Forsett in, 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 in Chicago. Forte. Forte, Forte. I mean, keep getting my, I knew it was an F. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Forte in Chicago didn't ever really complain, but you just got the sense that he didn't really want to be splitting carries. Yeah. He didn't want to uh, he didn't want to be splitting rep period because he kind of like Arian Foster is an all around back and catch out of the backfield and do those kind of things as well as carrying the football. Um, and then you see now Matt Forte has moved on to the Jets. So uh, I just I, I do wonder how it's going to play out when the whole offseason – pretty much all the focus has been on Ajaye and, and the progress he's made and how everybody's excited about him. And I know Adam Gates had some very complimentary things to say about him during these mini camps and stuff. And then they signed Arian Foster. You just wonder how big of a, a signing will this be? Like, excuse me, what, what are the expectations of Arian Foster from the, from the coaching staff and just how they plan on using him and, and, and how that lines up with how he wants to be used going into, you know, this late stage of his career. Yeah. It's a, I don't know, you know, if he does, if, if they can find a way and keep everybody happy in that mix, that could be, you know, that's an interesting team they've got there. I mean, I, I guess sort of, you know, like everything, it comes back to the quarterback and especially with Tannehill, (laughs) you know, depending on what version of Tannehill they're going to get, but uh, it'll definitely be, it's definitely a unit to watch this year. And I guess, that's one of those camp storylines to kind of keep an eye on too. How the how the Dolphins' offense all kind of comes together under the new head coach. Yeah, I mean they got plenty of talent. Yeah, they have the quarterback there. You know, I'm not a huge Tannehill guy, but he's he's you know on into his career now. I think he's maybe heading to his uh, fourth or fifth year, 
And so he's he he he's got some years under him, got some starting experience under him, has made some plays, yeah, some really nice plays, and, and really I don't think people even understand just how athletic he is uh, playing the position too. There's a lot of things you can do, yeah, very much. Brian so. Tannehill, and there's plenty of reasons to be excited about him. I just don't think that so far he's shown himself, you know, to be a complete type player or to, to kind of rise to the occasion when it calls for it, but. He's got plenty of talent. They got plenty of talent at the wide receiver position, and and now the running back position, which looked to be you know maybe the biggest weakness on the team, could actually become a strength if they can work this thing out. Yeah, where where, where both guys are, are kind of you know Ajaye and Foster are kind of used to the best of their abilities. So um, you know it, it's a very interesting team. They made some moves on defense as well, bringing in. Mario Williams. Uh, get, they'll get Cameron it, it, Wake back this year. Cam Cam Wake back, and of course they got Sue last year. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a very interesting team, man. But it, it's all we know. It's all going to come down to Ryan Tannehill and how he plays. Uh, yeah. You hate to 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 pin it on just one guy, but it, the quarterback position just is so important to you to your success. These days, unless you have some kind of ridiculously talented defense like the Broncos had last year. Yeah. So I don't really think the Dolphins have that kind of defense. Yeah. Top to bottom. So they're <laughs> going to need their offense to kind of pull their own weight. And so Tanny is going to come down to Tannehill. Their fortune this year, uh, whether Arian Foster works out or not, is largely going to fall on his shoulders, on Tannehill's shoulders. Yeah. And so, you know, We'll see. I think that uh, you know he he'll kind of let you know whether he's going to be the quarterback of the future, which they already think he is, or if he's going to fall by the wayside. Yeah, it'll uh, it will be interesting. Uh, okay, staying in the AFC East, I think the biggest surprise at last Friday's franchise tag deadline. Obviously, the Von Miller deal got most of the headlines because it was huge. I mean, you know, seventy million guaranteed—that's a, a big number. And I think I think it's the third biggest. If you go by total value, it's the third biggest contract ever. So, I mean, he's getting paid quarterback money. Um, but no, I think the biggest thing was the that the Jets and Mo Wilkerson got a long-term deal done. Yeah, it was so big because they kind of go on radio silent. Yeah, so for mo- a lot of us thought that Mo deserved to be paid a couple years ago. Yeah. And so there didn't seem to be much much movement this offseason. Mo Wilkinson himself came out and said he kind of felt like they just didn't really want him. And then out of the blue, uh, it was actually after the deadline. So a lot of people were kind of wondering, like, how did they even get (laughs) get it in on time, right? Especially after the Dumaville fiasco a few years back. Uh, saw a lot of those jokes. Oh, the fax machine did the fax machine, <laughs> but you know, some kind of way they hammered out a deal. I think it was very smart of them. I think it was well overdue. Yeah, but it was certainly a huge surprise for most people because it just seemed like the Jets were going to be comfortable with playing him on the tag this year and going on about their business. And so I'm not even sure what changed or what prompted. It, it definitely seems like something changed, right? Yeah. It seems like something somewhere along the line changed on the Jets' behalf where all of a sudden they were motivated to get this done 
and they found a way to get it done, you know, right at the wire. But yeah, I, I'll be interested to see what that might have been, or, or you know, what actually changed their thinking on this. Because I, I firmly believe, you know, maybe up until that week, it didn't seem like, from all outside appearances, that they were planning on signing him to a long-term deal. And of course, you know, some of the other people who really know contracts are saying it's basically a two-year contract. Uh, but he still got quite a bit of guaranteed money, as I recall. I think over thirty million dollars guaranteed his signing, and then uh, another mm, twenty million in like year three or something like that. Yeah. So that, that's why they're saying it's kind of a two-year deal because in March of twenty eighteen, uh, his salary for that year will get. Uh, Guaranteed, and so that that's where the other uh, of his guaranteed money comes in, and he's making that's actually the 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 year he's got the highest uh, salary base salary in this contract for that year, where he's making like sixteen million seven hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. So you know they'll be able to decide on March of that year if they want to actually pay him that guarantee or not. Or, yeah. You know, on so <clears throat> excuse me, but. I guess he got $36.75 uh, million to sign uh, at signing, which includes the signing bonus and mm-hmm. his 16 and 17 salary. So that's it's not nothing to sneeze at. It's not it's not Von Miller money, but <laughs> no. it's a pretty big deal, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm really happy for the player because I think he more than deserves it. But I just, I'm still kind of like, what changed? What happened here? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I wondered a little bit if maybe, you know, now what this means for Sheldon Richardson. I mean, they picked up Richardson's fifth-year option, which is a fully guaranteed fifth year. Or is it fully guaranteed for injury? I, I can't think of that off the top of my head. With those no, it's just, it's just for injury, I think, okay. which is why people are like, well, most of the time it's a low-risk move in right. the first place. Right. So, uh, so I guess I wonder with that because Richardson's been had some trouble with suspensions in the past. So, well, he kind of got off light this time. This some I, I don't think we actually even touched on. I think he only got one game. Yeah. For uh, this incident where he was riding around in like a he's drag racing. He was drag racing in like a Bentley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough you drag racing, but you, you got to get noticed in the Bentley. I think. Yeah, and that was in Kansas. I remember Kansas City area too. <laughs> so, All right. So you know, <laughs> for whatever, you know, for whatever reason, he got off. It, it seems he got off a little light with that. Yeah, with the one game suspension. But um, you know, a lot of people also speculated like maybe it had something to do with trying to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, uh, get some cap space. Yeah, get some cap space to maybe fit him in. Uh, or offer him a little bit more money than they had been offering. But uh, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like if they wanted fish, they would have found a way to, to fit their money in the cap already. Yeah, um, I, I guess that's the thing. And now, like, there's everybody keeps asking about it, and Fitzpatrick today wouldn't won't even talk about it anymore, which, you know, from his perspective, I understand too. But that's been one of the weirder off-season contract situations of all. Well, it's, it's weird in as much as they have neither side has moved on. Yeah. Right. Like usually, if it's dragged out this long, somebody says, "You know what? We're moving on." Yeah. Whereas the quarterback, 
searching out other opportunities or it's the team like, you know what, we're going to name so-and-so the starter and it's, it's an open competition or whatever. Um, but we moved on. Normally at this point, I mean, again, like we said at the beginning, camp is about to start. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it, there's some guys, you know, defensive linemen and stuff like that, that maybe you don't necessarily need to go through training camp. Uh, Dwight Freeney is a guy that's sitting out there after he, you know, came in midseason and ended up leading the, the Cardinals in sacks last year, who's probably kind of waiting for camp to be over to sign with somebody, yeah. right? That ain't normally the case with a quarterback. <laughs> you usually need that guy to come in and learn the offense. And, and, and uh, although Fitz probably already knows the offense ends, you know, in and out, just get your timing right and stuff like that. And just the whole leadership aspect of it. Yeah. You just don't really have guys just hanging out, you know, waiting for the middle of camp or the end of camp to finally sign. So, um, Look, the, the the hands of time, the, the the sands of time are slipping through the hourglass right now. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like either side. Not only have they not moved on, they're not getting in a close either. So they're basically in no man's land, both yeah. of them. So that that's the weirdest thing to me is like, you know, why hasn't Fitz moved on? <laughs> why hasn't he said, you know, I'm looking at other opportunities at this point. And of course, the Jets too. Like they're, I don't know how you expect one of these other quarterbacks if you can't work something out with Fitz, Fitzpatrick. How are these other quarterbacks supposed to to take over the leadership reins when he's st- he's still out there, like just sitting over their shoulder? Yeah. And and you haven't you still haven't come out and said you moved on. Yeah. It's just it it, it seems like an untenable situation. And look, if you know you're going to sign the guy, sign him. Yeah. What is holding you back right now? So it's just, it, I can't even imagine. Look, you you can be, you cannot like Geno Smith all you want. I can't imagine how frustrating this has to be for him. He was in the lead position to start last year. Yeah. At the where he got his jaw broken. Now he's in the lead position again to start. And he, his team will not move on from a guy who won't resign with him. Yeah. So, it, like, literally, and, and from all accounts, he's he's done well. I'm talking about Gino has done well this all season. Everybody's talking about how far he's come, and, and maybe some of that is also trying to pressure Fitz into coming in. Yeah. And, and, but just you know, even the, the the neutral observers, the media that's been at these practices, <laughs> have kind of you know said he's been playing well. Yeah. So, it just—I can't imagine how frustrating it is for him that it seems like no matter what he does, he still—he he still can't win. Well, it makes you wonder too. I mean, I—it doesn't seem like just you know reading it from the outside that uh, Fitzpatrick's getting many other offers, or at least not at the money he wants, and maybe that has forestalled any other team approaching him. You know, because, you know, we've had several months now to kind of <laughs> for anybody that's nervous about their quarterback situation to, to make a play for Fitzpatrick. And it hadn't happened. Yeah. And, and that actually ought to tell you something, yeah. in my opinion, like when, when nobody uh, else is kind of after your quarterback, maybe he's not all that great anyway. Well, and that's kind of what I wondered. It's like, you know, with with. A pair of receivers like Decker and Marshall, especially Marshall. I mean, Marshall is kind of that. And he may not play at that level quite like he used to, but, you know, he's still kind of, to me, 
in that in the conversation for you know what you think of as a number one receiver. Like you can throw the ball to him, and maybe it not be the best throw, but he's a good enough guy that he's going to come up with that, whereas a lot of guys won't. You know. And so you wonder if maybe that's some of the thinking here. Maybe they've got it. Maybe they just got in and had a chance to go in and watch the tape and found out that hey, Fitzpatrick really didn't do anything special here, at least not you know twelve million dollars worth of special. Yeah. So. Well, we'll uh, see. We'll see. Were you surprised Barry and the Chiefs didn't come to an agreement? No, no. We kind of talked about that. I thought if they were going to do it, they would have already done it. Um, I think. <laughs> You know, the news comes out that, that uh, the insurance. they wanted him to have insurance. So uh, With the team as the beneficiary. Right. Like, and that he would pay the premium would have been about a $2 million premium. Hmm. So not, not a cheap insurance policy by any means. I, the whole situation, that part of the situation – didn't sit right with me at all, but um, I mean, I can kind of understand why they didn't do the long-term deal. I talked about that before. You got the cancer issue out there. Even yeah. if you don't want to have to address it, that's part of it. Yeah. Again, this is not a guy that was on one of these uh, the uh, rookie cap deals. He got, he got a whole lot of money when he came out anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Maybe you feel like, okay, we want to make sure that you can make it through uh, this whole uh, season playing well, no setbacks from the cancer or anything like that before we actually sign you to another long-term deal. Yeah. I, I just, if it was me, I'd have signed him to a long-term deal. Yeah, I would I, I can too. understand their concerns. Just There was a whole different, when he started playing better last season was when they went on that run. Yeah, there's a difference between the playoffs and not making the playoffs in the end. Absolutely. So, uh, I don't know. I'd have have given them a long-term deal, but it it didn't work out that way. So, I I can understand their concerns, but for me, I'd have done it just because of the the leader that he is on that team, the way he plays – the way they play when he's out there on that field, it, it, it's night and day. Yeah. It's night and day from when you can just tell when he started playing better, that whole team kind of picked up their level of play, especially on defense. Yeah. And, and you just, I don't know, man, the, the safety position is devalued in the NFL. We talked about that. That's also a factor of why um, <clears throat> they, they probably didn't sign to a big long-term contract. But at the end of the day, your leaders on your team are your leaders. Yeah. And he's one of the leaders on the team. He has been for a while. He's a leader in the community. He does everything you want him to do, both on and off the field. I just thought they would have went ahead and rewarded him. So, yeah. uh, But we'll see. We'll see I, I think happens. that if he, if he makes it through this season and plays the way he played last year for the full season, somebody's going to pay him next year. <laughs> yeah, so. that's for sure. Oh, uh, well, all right. We are, we're coming up on an hour here. So I guess that's as good a time as any to, uh, to, to let it, let folks get on with the rest of their day here. And we will, uh, circle back next week and we'll have a lot more training camp stuff to talk about. Sound good. All right. Good. All right, man. Uh, have a great day and, uh, we will see you later.